and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors at Providence Church. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing Philemon. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. It is a Wednesday morning. It's actually freezing, but it's supposed to be like 76 tonight. Is it freezing right now? I mean, I'm freezing. Oh. I don't mean <laughs> I thought you meant like it's literally freezing outside. outside. But no, I am just so cold. It's like mid 30s and it's supposed to get up to 76 or something today. It's a big shift. In I day. know. Omaha has the craziest weather. I want to start a garden, but I have to be careful because I have to do it after the freeze and we just have random weather. Have you done it in the past? Or this is like the first one that you're starting? This is the first one I'm starting. I had an onion sprout on my counter and I thought, I wonder if I could plant this. I looked it up online. Sure enough, I could plant my little what red do you mean onion. It sprouted on your counter. Okay, so I have like a red onion and it had green stems growing out of the middle and they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So I cut those out basically, put them in a glass of water and they grew super large okay. roots in three days. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, if you want anyone who's listening to start a garden, start with onions. They're so easy. I thought you were going to say that they should ask you about gardening tips, which I thought was a bold move oh since you said you're just starting one. But no, no. The I've... onion thing, that's a that's good advice. That's a good tip. Do it's you true. even we'll like onions? Onions, yes. Yeah. Tomatoes, no. You don't like tomatoes? Don't like them. Why? Ketchup? They taste bad. What about, oh my I Lord. mean, I'll do ketchup, yeah. I will eat them, but I would rather not. Don't you put pico on your chipotle order? Yeah. That that's different tomatoes. than like a tomato. I know, but that's different <laughs> than like a tomato on a burger or a oh. tomato on a sandwich or something. Okay. I just don't really do that. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I will eat it. Like if it just comes on it, I'll eat it, but I usually choose to make or order something without it. Yeah. See, that's how I feel about onions. Like I don't want just a slice of an onion on my burger, but I'll put it in things. Oh, I would do onions. But like pico and stuff, that has other flavors combined with it. It's not just eating a slice of a True. tomato. Well, I don't really know how to transition from the tomato talk to Philemon, but That's we're just going to go one. for yeah, it. That is tough. <laughs> I was going to make something, I don't know. Anyway, today we're discussing Philemon. And if you've never read the book of Philemon, it's what? 25 verses? Very short. No chapter one. It's just Philemon. That's Just it. Philemon. One chapter. I feel like that's confusing though, because it's like, okay, Philemon four. If people didn't know, they'd probably be like, oh, chapter four? I know no, this. it's verse four. I know, but now they'll know because they're listening to this podcast. And so when you write out a verse in Philemon, you don't do chapter verse. It's just Philemon seven. Yep. So you guys will all be prepared. I don't think I've read Philemon before studying for this podcast really? episode. I mean, it takes like 30 seconds. I know. Well, just haven't been interested in it? I don't think so. Or I did read it and I just completely forgot about it because it that seemed be. like, well, okay, yeah. move on. But it definitely packs a punch for such a little tiny book. And by the way, this is the last book that most people are confident Paul wrote that we're mm. talking about here. So not like chronologically, but just in your Bible, all these letters we've talked about are from Paul. This is the last one that we know for sure. Some people think Hebrews, which is the next one, is written by Paul. Others don't. Mm. Um, but this is the last one that we for sure have Paul writing. Wow. I feel like we need to do some little ode to Paul or something. 
alas like, pour a drink out or something for him that's <laughs> that literally the first thing? image that came to mind what do you mean pour oh, a drink yeah. out you yeah. like pour it on the floor yeah are you serious look it up no. we don't have time to talk about it but okay look it okay fine yeah you've never done that you never I heard mean, of that actually i did it when pour i was in peru but that was not Should what I they pour did my coffee out right now yeah, you on could, the floor i mean we're about to leave this office <laughs> space anyway you could just pour it that. and move on <laughs> Well, yeah. So the background of Philemon is that Paul is writing this letter while in prison. And Paul was writing it to Philemon, a leader in the church, a woman named Aphia, and presumably a man named Archippus, and also the church that was meeting in their house. And the church is in Colossae. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. The church is in Colossae. Philemon was receiving this letter from Paul because Paul had received Philemon's slave, Onesimus. And while Onesimus was with Paul, Onesimus gave his life to Christ. And then Paul wrote this letter to Philemon to basically appeal or plead with Philemon to not accept Onesimus back as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Okay, so you're saying that's the aim or the whole purpose of this book is that Onesimus, do we know how or when? We're just saying at some point it seems like Onesimus became a Christian mm-hmm. in Paul's ministry or in his sphere. Yeah. And now he's sending Onesimus back to be a servant or a slave to Philemon again. Are you sending him back to this relationship, I guess? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Some scholars, some commentators think that Onesimus might have stolen something from Philemon and then ran away. But at some point, he found Paul, became a believer, and then Paul was sending him back to Philemon, but as a brother in Christ. Okay, so if that's the aim, maybe, I mean, the book's only 25 verses. So can we just kind of walk through the couple sections that it has, which mm-hmm. I think it's kind of broken up a little bit in his like thanking Philemon and his like appreciation for him, and then in the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. So maybe we just take those two parts. Yeah, I think that sounds good. So that first one, Philemon's love and faith. Paul's thanking him and says the verse that you've probably heard before seen on thank you cards. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And it just keeps going of Paul showering Philemon with gratitude, and also praying that Philemon's faith may become effective and continue to be effective. And Philemon also became a Christian from Paul or because Mm -hmm. of Paul, right? We find that out later in the book. Yep, that Philemon accepted Christ with Paul at some point along the journey. So the imagery here is like Paul, who shared the gospel to Philemon, he becomes a Christian. Now he's a growing leader, we presume, in Colossae and in the church there. And he's writing back kind of in this like proud big brother, Mm -hmm. affirming him and the love that he has, his faith, what he's doing in the church. Yes. Yeah. And then that transitions into Paul's plea for Onesimus. Okay. Do you want to help explain then what that looks like? So again, the setting is Onesimus ran away from Philemon or fled, or whatever, right? Which is against the law yeah. for him, because he's a, yeah. the word's bondservant or slave, but he essentially has indebted himself to Philemon and then has run away. He becomes a Christian, it seems, and now Paul is encouraging him, hey, you need to go back because Philemon's a believer, you're now a believer, and we have to somehow have this reconciled. In verse 15, It says, for this is perhaps why he was parted from you, 
so that you might have him back forever. And then he goes into, but no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant as a beloved brother. But a lot of times people read this and they think, well, why didn't Paul straight up call Philemon out and say, don't have servants at all? Why does it say that, well, you had him as a servant, but call him a brother? And it seems like maybe the other complication here is that Paul's sending Onesimus back Mm -hmm. either way, right? right? Like he's encouraging Philemon, hey, I'm sending Onesimus to you. And he even says, I'm not commanding you, but I'm trying to like appeal to you or I'm trying to persuade you. Don't treat him as a bondservant anymore. But regardless, he's sending him back. So it, it is an interesting dynamic of where we get some consternation or mm-hmm. like, you know, we have some issue with, okay, Paul's not saying like, do you promise me you're going to do this? Okay, then I'll send him back. Or Philemon, this is outright wrong. He doesn't give him a whole argument for it. Or he doesn't even command him. He just says, hey, don't treat him as a bondservant anymore. I really want to plead with you. Treat him as a brother that he is as he gets back to you. Mm-hmm. Which I'm wondering, why did he do it that way? Why wasn't he super strong? It feels like in a way he was kind of passive because he says in verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. You know, it's like basically telling someone, hey, if you consider me your friend, your coworker in the faith, take this person. I mean, Paul goes as far to say, hey, if Onesimus has wronged you, put that on my debt and basically wipe him free of anything. Yeah, which is where people, I think, assume maybe he stole something on the way out or just because these like household servants, they were there and sometimes they got paid, sometimes it wasn't much, but either way, there is a loss of money just from him not being there anymore. And then some people think maybe he stole stuff on the way out as he snuck out and and left. And so there's something there that he did wrong him for sure by leaving and just legally by leaving and potentially stole something. And Paul's saying, I'm sending him back to you. And if there is anything like that, mm-hmm. charge it to me. Right. Which is interesting because we've seen Paul call people out for their sin and other books. And he's pretty, you know, honest about it. And so it is interesting here that he doesn't say, hey, slavery's wrong. Don't have slaves at all. But part of me is wondering, well, maybe that's not the aim. I mean, we said the aim is that he does plead with Philemon, but it's all over reconciliation, not really about slavery necessarily. I do think that's a big point. Let me first go back. You asked a question on why does Paul not command this or be more like strong? He does say in Philemon 8 and 9, he says, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required— Yet, for love's sake, mm. I prefer to appeal to you. Oh, I don't know, I guess, what your initial take on what that means, but it, it seems like he's saying, look, for the, for the sake of love or because of my love for you, I don't want to just lay down commands and laws. You need to do this. I'm going to try to help you see mm. why this is what you should do. Although even as I'm saying that, he doesn't go in too depth. He gives him right. some reasons. But it feels like he's saying, look, my love for you is going to supersede my position as an apostle and just telling you, do this and don't do Mm -hmm. this. Yeah, which kind of reminds me of mentors when they sit with you and ask a bunch of questions to allow you to arrive at your own conclusion. So it's not just you doing something and then maybe feeling frustrated or resentful with your mentor. It's you actually believing what you're doing and 
walking that out. And so I'm just wondering, oh, I wonder if that's kind of what he's doing here. He's taking time to give Philemon the opportunity to do what is right rather than tell him what to do. Well, and it is interesting. He says, I could command you to do what is required. So him forgiving, being reconciled, and treating him now as a brother, not a bondservant, that actually is what's required. So I think that's something to your second question to note that Paul is saying, look, as Christians, this is what's required. Forgiveness, reconciliation, unity, viewing our status in Christ before anything that we are defined by in this world, like master, bond, servant type relationship. So he is saying that is the truth, but I'm going to appeal to you to do it because I love you and I want you to like have this conviction rather than just command you right. to get it done, which is probably a helpful note for all of us who have influence in people's lives and just thinking through what you mentioned about mentors, how are we encouraging people to do what is right? Are we just, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're a parent or at work, if you have people that work under you or you lead some sort of setting, are you just commanding to do what is right? Where here Paul gives us this model of, I could command you just to do what's right, but I'm going to try to come alongside you and get you to see that or have a conviction for that. Or I'm going to plead with you on the basis of the gospel, which is where he gets to, for you to be motivated that way. Yeah. How do you think we do that as leaders without coming across as either passive aggressive or just not direct with people? Well, the one thing is Paul is direct in what he hopes is the outcome. So he does tell him, hey, don't treat him as a bondservant, treat him as a brother and be reconciled to him. So it's not that he totally lets Philemon come to his own conclusion, but instead of just commanding it, he's persuading him toward that and trying to, I think, get Philemon to see the gospel does motivate me to do this rather than just saying, Paul told me I have to do this, so I have to do it. You know, So I do think it's not that Paul's not clear, so that we need clarity, but also maybe some persuasion or some like deeper motivation to help that person gain the conviction. So if you are a boss at work and you have a little team under you, you could just command and they would say, well, I got to do my part in this project because my boss told me. Or you could give them a vision for why this is important, still give them the outcome of this is what we're going for and this is what uh, you need to do or what you could do to help this. And here's why this is really important. And there's a motivation behind that with a greater vision. And that's essentially what Paul does to Philemon. He says, be reconciled, treat him as a brother, not a bondservant, because think of what Christ has done for you. Like think of how you've been forgiven Mm -hmm. and therefore the debt. And this is just what Jesus says in Matthew. He said, look, if you understand what you've been forgiven of all your sins before God in Christ, then you can forgive this person for what they've done to you. So I think there's an art of persuasion there to still get to the clarified goal. Yeah. And Philemon under the law had every ability to punish Onesimus, be upset with him, for leaving. However, when Paul asks him to have grace and forgive Onesimus and then to take him in as his brother, that's a really weighty call. But it's a good reminder of what Christ did for Philemon as he forgave him. And now Paul's asking Philemon to do the same for someone else. So I do think that's a helpful summary. That's essentially what the book is, what Mm -hmm. we just said. I do want to maybe hit two kind of practical questions that I think as we then move from that's what Paul says to Philemon, to how do we apply this? I do think the two practical questions are probably, 
the issue about slavery, how do we view this in terms of slavery? What does that mean? Because slavery was different then to today, how do we apply or think about that? The other issue I think is in general, more broadly, forgiveness and reconciliation when people Mm -hmm. hurt us. So maybe the first one, I think you were kind of asking this before, but why doesn't Paul just come out and say, Philemon, slavery is demeaning to an image bearer of God. You are, it's oppressive. This is unjust. You need to not only not do this, but you should fight for slavery to be abolished in all of Colossae or whatever. Why doesn't he go there? Why does it seem like he just says, hey, I'm trying to persuade you because of the gospel. Don't treat him as a bond servant anymore, even though I'm going to send him back to you and just trust that you're going to do what's right. I think that's a hard question because... I think you're right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's a really satisfying answer. I think from what I can gather from Philemon and also from other letters that Paul has written is that he's just trying to essentially teach Christians how to operate and how to act within the culture. And I think, I mean, even looking at the Old Testament, slaves then are a lot different than how we would view slavery now. And it makes me wonder if, yeah, if Paul was just trying to, you know, fixate in the small amount of time that he had on the heart behind the issues rather than the issues themselves. Because I think sometimes we can get caught up in the issue or in the sin problem that people have rather than their true need for Jesus and understanding the gospel. And then from that, the Holy Spirit convicts. So part of me feels like maybe slavery looked a little bit different, but also the fact that Paul had limited time on this earth. And I think he just wanted to really hone in the gospel and show people like Philemon what it would look like to live within the culture, but live for Christ and in a way of love. And the underlying motivation or thing that you're talking about is the goal or ideal of unity, reconciliation, mm-hmm. honoring one another in their positions, even though to society, these two men will have very different status symbols and, and who they are and places right. in the world there's a sense of honoring one another because they're both brothers in mm-hmm. Christ and remade into the image of God through Jesus and what he's doing. So you're saying those are the things that really are the the main emphasis or the underlying mm-hmm. issue and motivation for us as Christians. Yeah, and it makes me think about the verse that talks about how we will be known by our love and thinking about that image of a servant and a wealthy man coming together and actually being unified in love would be radical in that day. People just didn't do that. And so I think that, yeah, that truth of the gospel is what we're supposed to carry, not necessarily extrapolating that to a view on slavery. But I know that's hard. That's hard to say. Okay, so that, I guess, leads into the second practical question which, and let's just take this, you know, sometimes we can read these things and be like, oh yeah, slavery is horrible. Philemon, don't even think about not forgiving this guy for whatever he did because you were wrong, whatever. But let's, let's just make it real. I mean, mm-hmm. we all have had times, whether we were in the right or the wrong, where we've been really hurt by people, we've been really frustrated with people, there's been actual relational breaks. And for Philemon, again, setting aside the issue of how servanthood worked in that time period and the ethics of that, The reality is within there, Onesimus did cheat him out of stuff. He did leave him. He did maybe steal stuff on the way, whatever. He did actually really hurt this man. 
And now Paul's saying, don't count that against him. Mm. Essentially, forgive because you've been forgiven. Paul reminds him like, hey, remember how I shared the gospel with you? Like, remember that's happened to you. You've been forgiven, so you need to forgive. But when you actually like get yourself into those feelings, if you've had moments where people have really hurt you, it's not quite as simple to just say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. So I I really deeply, truly Mm -hmm. release you from any sort of punishment here and I forgive you. So I know you've like thought through some of the stuff with forgiveness, worked through some of this stuff. It's not super simple, but is there anything that you can share that might be helpful for anybody who feels that? Obviously, different context than Philemon, but is struggling to forgive or be reconciled to someone? What's initial thoughts that you have? We had a women's retreat two years ago that talked a lot about forgiveness. I think the most helpful thing for me was to actually have words and how to forgive someone and how to pray about what had happened but also not strip the feelings from it. Sometimes we can say, okay, Lord, forgive me for the way that I've reacted to a sibling or a coworker. And then we kind of push aside all of our feelings as to why we reacted that way. What's helpful about this model is you not only ask the Lord for forgiveness and accept his forgiveness for your own sin, but you also talk about the way you've been hurt. So for instance, Lord, I forgive and release Sarah, I'm not actually mad at someone named Sarah. It's just easier to use that than Philemon. It just wow, feels a little bit Sarah strange. No, 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 no. This, but Lord, I forgive and release Sarah for the way she responded to me in our staff meeting, even though it made me feel belittled and unseen and rejected. Something like that. Saying that you're forgiving and releasing that person to God so that you don't have that person in your own clutches or your own grasp, but you're actually giving that hurtfulness to God. And maybe that Sarah person didn't even mean to do any of those things. Well, that's okay. Like that's still how you feel and you're communicating that to God and you're still forgiving that person. And then also following that up with, Lord, I accept your forgiveness for my outbursts of anger, even though I felt unseen and rejected and hurt. And I think that coupled with, you know, an ending prayer of, Lord, I release Sarah to you. I pray that you bless her as you see fit. Thank you, Lord, that I'm released from the bondage of my bitterness. That all might sound like, okay, well, you have this whole routine, whatever. But I think it gives me words for when I'm upset and frustrated and reminds me that God actually cares about how I feel about the situation. It's not just, oh, you've sinned, work through it, say you're sorry, move on. It's like, no, I actually need to share with God how I feel so that I can work through it with him. And I think what's helpful about that is, and we've had a number of men and women that have gone through like the process of that, is it can feel, I don't know, like formulaic or is this like genuine or whatever right away. But when you're actually dealing with like real forgiveness, it's just not as simple as saying, this person hurt me. I'm just, I I forgive them and it's over. It's not Mm -hmm. that. And so what I think is helpful about that is it gives a practical guide to genuine forgiveness and I know it has helped a lot of people. And so even for somebody listening right now, if you feel anything in your own soul or the spirit stirring anything up of like genuine forgiveness that you need to do, we've got people that can help walk through that process. And I do think as we read through Philemon, I mean, that would be challenging. And that is a reality of Paul saying the gospel has been so good in our own hearts that we've been forgiven that we have to be a people who are willing to forgive and see people not as the worst of themselves, the worst things they've done, 
but who they are in Christ. And that means mm-hmm. we're going to have to fight for reconciliation, forgiveness, and unity amongst other believers. And so if that is helpful, I know we've got people would be glad to to help walk people through that. And if you don't attend Providence, but you want that prayer to pray on your own, email us at formation at providenceomaha.org and we can send that to you because we don't want you to live in bondage or bitterness. We want you to live in the freedom that Christ has with forgiveness and unity. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Please like this, rate it, review it, share it so that it can get out to more people. If you have any questions, email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. We'll see you next week.